Welcome to the Gold Standard here during the All-Star break on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. There we go. Look at that. Like riding a bike, my man. Good to see you. Good to have you back. We gave uh, Michael Gallagher. Uh, go go check out the scene in the post, by the way. Always great place to, to go check out some work. And Adam, I'll give you a chance to to, to publicize what you guys got going on uh, over there as well. But I think, um, you know, Michael, during the All-Star break, Michael's already done basically two of the same shows. And I thought, you know what, let's change up the third one since there's been no games. We've already done two episodes. You could go check out It's All Your Fault with Jeremy Gover and him on Monday. And of course, are the Preds a good team now uh, on Friday last week from the Gold Standard? So we thought we would take a, a an all-star break look at the metrics, the numbers, who's overperforming, underperforming the Western Conference, who has staying power, some of the development of the young players on this roster, is the goaltending sustainable? Like a lot of a lot of stuff to to have you on here, Adam, to talk about uh, as it pertains to the Predators heading into the second half of the season, or a little less than the second half of the season. But it's good to see you, man. It's good to have you. How are you, buddy? I'm good here on this snowy quote unquote day <laughs> with in with Nashville uh, with completely dry roads outside and all of our children at home. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about yesterday. Remember when we were kids and there were snow days and you had to watch the the ticker on the local news to see if you didn't have to go to school? Kids these days, they don't understand that. Oh, yeah. I just get a I just get a text message from Metro Nashville saying uh, two hours late tomorrow. And then the next day, uh, your kids are at home. And oh, by the way, of course, everyone still has to work from home. Uh, now this is just turning into a venting uh, session about 2023. Uh, but the roads seem fine to me. Uh, but I've got two children at home. I know, I know your kids at home as well. Um, all right. So it's great to see you, man. And it's good to have you back. We're gonna get into a lot of metrics today. But before we do, of course, let's see, let's see how well you can still ride the bike. The gold standard is a podcast about the national predators, and it is brought to you by it's brought to you by Jaspers. And I have to say, it's damn right it is. It is, it is indeed <laughs> brought to you by Jaspers. And I have to say, you mentioned the uh, the bike metaphor. Uh, I am good at riding a bike because I went to bicycle camp when I was younger. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm fascinated with how your brain works, dude. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I was in elementary school, one time I needed some sort of summer activity. So my parents put me in bicycle camp to refine my bike, my, my cycling skills. I didn't realize that they, that was a thing. Like the bicycle camp was an actual thing that happens. I didn't. The know best that. part about bicycle camp was that during lunchtime we watched Pee Wee's Big Adventure because that movie was about him losing his bike. Oh, that's right. That's right. And this has to do with absolutely Jaspers. nothing to Jasper's. <laughs> you can ride your bike to Jasper's if you yeah, live true. in the West End area. But if you don't live in the West End area and you need to drive. To Jasper's, it's free parking. There which we is go. Hard to find. It's which is hard to find. See, I told you I could still do this. Well done. It's it's free parking, delicious food, mm. and there there are no Predators games currently, but there will be starting next week once their buy slash All Star break ends. Um, so yeah, go to Jasper's. My my wife and I got got each other bikes for Christmas, and we have rediscovered the joy of riding bikes. Um, with our kids who ride their bikes all the time and it's just so it's actually I just miss riding the bike it's so it's I, you just kind of forget in, in your old age how much how much joy you can get out of just like cruising around a park for a little while on a bike it's it's quite enjoyable um you did mention watching games at Jasper's of course $10 smash burgers $3 beers uh, you got the grab-and-go market you got the game room and Adam you don't know this yet but because when when uh, when Arlo gets a little bit older you guys are going to want to go to dinner someplace where he can just kind of go off on his own and play some games. Jasper's, my children will leave the table after we order food and go play in the free game room, air hockey, skee ball, Papa shot, uh, you know, Jenga, connect Four, shuffleboard, you name it. It's all in there and it's all free. They will just leave the table and go play. And Jasper's will babysit my children for me while me and my wife have a nice meal. It's, it's, it is spectacular. It's wonderful. Uh, it's the next evolution. Jaspers, the- where you can abdicate your responsibility as parents. <laughs> the next evolution of the sports bar. Um, okay, a lot of stuff we're going to get to here today uh, on the pod. But before we do, b- quickly here, Adam, tell everybody where they can find your work, um, what what you've been doing lately. Just make sure everybody, make sure you get get yourself some promotion here, some, some shameless promotion. Yes. Um, you can find me at sportsnet.ca. Uh, where I am working with SportLogic to uh, to write some data-driven stories uh, throughout the season. 
Uh, my most recent story, which was published on Tuesday, was a reaction to the blockbuster, if you could call it that, trade featuring Bo Horvat uh, going from the Vancouver Canucks to the New York Islanders. So I wrote a piece about how Horvat will fit in with the Islanders to get the Islanders perspective, because, of course, on Sportsnet.ca, being a Canadian site, a lot of Vancouver perspective. Right. So I offered the Islanders perspective. Uh, you can find that um, right now on sports, the sport, sportsnet.ca. Uh, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it was also the, it was a, oh, excuse me, I can't talk today, um, which is weird when I'm on a podcast. Um, I, uh, also was able to flex my feature writing chops recently for mm. the first time this season and wrote a feature about Rasmus Dahlin, the Sabres number one defenseman. Uh, so you can find that there as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, glad to be doing that. It's been fun. And, uh, I'd also like to say, because this is my first time on a 440 sports podcast since I found out. That I had, I think it's the first time since I found out oh, that I had on. the number to... one, you... the oh, number God. one most uh, listened to God. episode of Lamestream Sports in 2022. Jeez. So I'd like to thank all of you for hate listening to hear me talk about losing my job. God. All right. Yeah, that is true. I cannot debate any of the things that you just said. Uh, I'm also glad that we maybe never have to mention Bo Horvath on this particular podcast ever again. Um, because of all the delusions of grandeur predators have, fans have had over the last few weeks talking about him. Uh, but no, you're right. Uh, Lamestream Sports, of course, our most recent episode, Paul Kaharski, who joined the uh, network there, uh, the Paul Kaharski podcast, now a part of the 440 Sports Network, covering the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he was recently on Lamestream, and I'm telling you what, guys, uh, there's some things happening in our state this, this week, uh, the last week and a half. Uh, we are going to have a really... Really interesting episode this week, so go check that out. But yes, um, Adam, Bingham. you're talking about Nissan Stadium switching to turf, right? That's what yeah, you're talking yeah. About. That's that's exact. That's the lighthearted discussions we're going to have with uh, Jeff Calkins <laughs> from from Memphis this week. I'd so. also like to announce my candidacy for mayor of Nashville. Okay, all right. Are you done? Are you done? No. Yes. They, they were number one. You were number one in 2022. Okay, you're goddamn right. I was. Settle down. Uh, all right. So I'm going to start this metrics conversation with you about sort of asking the same question that that Gover and me and Michael have been trying to answer. Uh, by definition, this is a good hockey team. It's not a great hockey team, not an elite hockey team, not a bad hockey team. They're above 500. They've got great goaltending, and they have a winning record. So by definition, solid. Uh, what do the numbers say about this team? How accurate is that record? And in your opinion, is this a good hockey team right now? Well, I know that a lot was made of the past three games leading into their all-star break following that loss to St. Louis and the big meeting. Um, so I, look, those that was games, close they, to the voice. That was close to the voice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll come up at some point, but those, those games were encouraging in the sense that I, I felt like the Predators actually held their own against top top competition it wasn't as if though uh they you know stole those games especially the game against new jersey you know the predators were able to to keep up with the devils who are an incredibly fast team um and and, and a really good offensive team as well as you saw multiple times in that game um with the plays they were able to make to score um so it, it was encouraging to, to see the Predators play that way entering the break. And then, of course, you can have the argument about, and I think you and Michael had this argument, um, either you or Michael or, or, or Michael and Gover, about whether the break came at a good time or a bad time yeah. um, because, of, uh, because of the momentum. Um, but even with those games, and I think Michael pointed this out um, last week, that even with all of the goals that the, you know, the Predators have scored in, in recent games, they're still one of the worst offensive teams in the league, simply based off of goals per game. Um, as, I, as I look right now, they are 26th in goals per game in the NHL, which, which is not good. Um, but generally speaking, their metrics are those of an average to slightly below average team. You know, the easiest way to look this up 
is looking at expected goal differential, which which takes into account shot quality. So it's a measurement of the quality that you're getting versus the quality that you're giving up. And this team is a sub 50% team at expected goals, which is not great. Um, you know, to put that into perspective, the Boston Bruins, who are by far the best team in the league, have an expected goals percentage of close to 60%. And the Predators, as I said, under 50%. So based off of that alone, what you've seen is what is, you know, there really isn't that much of a difference between what you see with your eyes and what the numbers say. The Predators are, by and large, an average team. They do some things well, particularly in goal. You know, that's been the saving grace. Now, yeah. I think I said this yeah. on the last time I was on the pod with you and Michael, that if the Predators had just league average goaltending, you gave them every other number they have and just changed yeah. their goaltending from above average to league average, I think this team is a is a bottom 10 team in the NHL. So, I, you know, I, I think there were signs of, of there were signs of encouragement in, in these past three games against the Kings. Uh, the Jets and the Devils. And I think their schedule coming out of the break is pretty favorable. I think their first game is against Vegas, but I think they play, uh, I think they play Arizona in there. Um, I think they play, I have their schedule right now. So their first five games out of the all-star break are home to Vegas at Philadelphia, then home to Arizona, followed by home games against Boston and Florida. Uh, hmm. which is not easy. So um, there are some winnable games, particularly those games in Philadelphia, that game in Philadelphia and the game at home against Arizona, but there are tough games and there's also a game at Minnesota in there as well. So I, I think you'll see pretty quickly after the break, yeah. whether or not these three games were just a fluke um, or if they are the sign of, of something sustainable. We'll get into some of the, the the positive developments of some of the young players, the star regressions and progressions, and what we expect out of the second half. Western Conference, a lot of stuff to do, but you know, it does. It, I agree with you that they are a good team because of elite goaltending, and without elite goaltending, the metrics tell you they're they're probably worse than their record indicates. So my question is: Is it sustainable in net? Because UC Saros third goal saved above expected Kevin Lincoln. And I was surprised that he was 17th, but like for a backup, that's pretty decent. I guess I thought he might actually be higher than that. Uh, I think it's sustainable with Soros. Uh, the question is really about Lincoln, but in, in your opinion in general, can the goaltending continue to play this well? And if it does, doesn't that give this team a chance to, to be in a playoff series and actually be competitive in a playoff series, even if their underlying metrics say they are an average team? Yeah, I think, when you have when you have good goaltending, you always have a chance. And I think the um, the only two goalies in the league that have saved more goals above expected than UC Saros um, are Linus Allmark in Boston, who's having a fantastic year, and Ilya Sorokin in, in in New York for the Islanders, who I think could be a, a you know would be my favorite. I think at this particular moment for the Vezina Trophy, is it um, is this but, the best goalie room in the NHL? As a Soros, Soros and, and Lankinen, at, least, at least this season. Statistically, I would say yes. I mean, yeah. I, I think when you're when you look at just goals saved above expected, um, you know, both of them are in the top ten. Now, Lankinen's uh, sample size is smaller, of course, because he's a backup. But you know, he's in the same he's you know he's in the same realm as you know. Well, I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, they're the only goal. They're the only team with two goalies in the top yep. ten in in goals saved above expected. So I would say yes, and I I, I think Lincoln has been, you know, a pleasant surprise when the Predators made that signing. I think we were all a bit confused at the time. We we assumed that Connor Ingram was a shoe in to to be the backup. You know, Lincoln's numbers in Chicago were awful. Of course, you had to you had to uh, factor in the fact that. The Blackhawks were terrible yep. when he was there, so that plays in plays a role in it. They, they um, also do not have Ben Vanderklok, so there's that. yes. So I or or, Pecor know, or assistant Pecorine. <laughs> <laughs> so I you know I think Lincoln has been a, a pleasant surprise for 
for the Predators. I'm just wondering what the split in, in, in starts is going to be going down the stretch because as we sit here right now, they've played 48 games and Soros has started 37 of them. So I'm trying to see what that put that puts him it's on about 80, pace it's for. about 80 percent, right? If if or, or no, that's about seventy five percent, roughly. So he's on pace for sixty three starts. Yeah, that's and last high. year he started sixty seven, which was yeah. the most in the league, and that was a talking point when he got hurt about yep. whether or not yep. he was uh, overplayed. And even before he was injured, his numbers were slipping, which led to that conversation about whether or not he was. Uh, being overworked so they've taken some off of his plate but you know he's still on pace to start more than 60 games which i think at the beginning of the season i i I probably would have liked that number to be below 60 yeah i think Uh, i think 58 55 to 58 would have been ideal but you have to do that with someone that you trust and nobody trusts david riddick and obviously he's having a better year but but clearly kevin lakenden has been outstanding so like i think i think there's no reason to to continue to pound Soros into the ground. I, I don't think, I mean, the original question is, do we expect a regression from these two? And certainly I think Lankanen is going to have some games where he is not 48 out of 49 saves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, or 39 out of 40 or whatever he's done a couple of times. But I think Soros can maintain this clip. I don't think he's, I mean, I don't, there's no reason to think he can't be just as good the rest of the way. So that does give him a chance. Now to go along with the scoring of the goals and the, they've been a top 15 scoring team since Christmas, which is only about a month um, and some change, but they have been scoring more. And certainly they did a lot going into the break after the meeting. Um, and and I think uh, I my question is, we talked before the season about there's going to be statistical regression from these star players like Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson, Yossi. Like they did things that were outliers statistically in their careers last year. And I think there was some quote unquote n- normal regression that we expected from Yossi and Forsberg in particular. And I think we've seen that Yossi's still on pace for 70 plus points, which would be a career high for him, if not for last season. Forsberg is still on pace for 32, 33 goals, which would still be about on par for his career. So I don't, we've seen sort of normal quote unquote regression from Yossi and Forsberg. What about the rest of the guys? Like what, what about in particular Matt Duchesne, who's been hot lately, the last month? What about? Ryan Johansson, whose numbers look like they're, we're talking, you know, 60, 70% of what they were last year. So a big regression from him, although he was the leading voice in the meeting. So I I think I'm curious what you think of some of the star power regression. What is quote unquote normal and fans should be okay with? And what is, all right, this is already swinging so far back the other direction that we need to see more out of, out of these guys. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I I think the one player who you didn't mention who whose um, regression is most concerning to me is Mikhail Granlund. Uh, I, I think Granlund ha, ha, has fallen off significantly uh, this season. Um, and it's easy to, to see why last season he was playing center. He was centering Forsberg and Duchesne. Mostly they both had career years. He was a beneficiary beneficiary of that. I believe he had a career high in assists, this season, I think he's playing more on the wing, if I'm not mistaken. The quality of his line mates isn't as great as it was last year. I, I just think for how impactful Mikhail Granlund had been over the past season, season and a half or so, he's really taken a, 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 a you know, he's really taken a bit of a dive. I think he's got 28 points this season. He he, um, he and Johansson and Forsberg are, are sorry, uh, he and Johansson and Duchesne are all on pace for about, 70% of their production last year. So a 30% re- re- rough, roughly speaking, a 30% regression from all three of those guys. Right. So Granlund has 28 points in 48 games, six goals, 22 assists. I'm doing the quick math here to see what that is over an 82 game season. Bear with me. I think it's, like, uh, we did this last it, week. I think it's like 10 and like, yeah, it's 48. He had, he had 48 points. That's a 48 point pace. And he had 66. 60 I think it's 64 four yeah I did this thanks thanks for listening to the pod last week Adam I appreciate it you know what I've got got things to do (laughs) I'm just playing dude I don't work on your schedule listen I did all the math I'm telling you Johansson Duchesne and Granlund are all on about a 30 percent regression from last year give or take give or give or take a few percentage points right and I I think you know I think I said before I, I think I said before the season when we were when we were looking at the 
at the numbers. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think I said that. Did I say that Forsberg was more likely to regress than Duchesne? Is that what I said? Uh, so no. so got Michael said that, and I agree with Michael on this. I don't remember exactly what you said, but that Forsberg had the best potential to maintain and that really, you know, 35, 38 goals, let's say not 40, not 42 or 43, but not, but not 28 or 31, that 35 to 38 goal range, that's where Forsberg probably should be. So I think, again, some slight regression from Forsberg was to be expected. I, I think if he finishes with 31 goals, that would be disappointing. Um, if Duchesne finishes with 31 goals, I think that's about where he should be. Like, I, I expected much more regression from Duchesne. I don't remember exactly what you said, but... I think I said that Duchesne was... I think that I said that Duchesne was... The things that he did from an underlying numbers perspective... I think yeah. were more likely to stabilize than Forsberg's. I think Duchesne right. was, I think that's what I said last year. And, and I think, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I've been proven wrong there. Um, what's What's interesting is that according to Money Puck, Forsberg, Duchesne and Grandland is the only line listed in like the top 100 lines in the NHL. And that's the 72nd best line. They do not have another offensive forward line in the top 100 uh, according to Money Puck, and that's not a line that's being deployed a ton right now. <laughs> like, like they've mixed it up a lot w- w- with with Granlin on the wing. So, like you and, said, yeah, and I think you know, year over year, that line's expected goal numbers have been you know have taken a significant dive. You know, they, I feel like they're not creating as much in terms of quality um, as they did last year. Um, I'm looking right now. Yes, they are. It, they are in the red um, in expected goals after being above 50% last year. So they haven't been together a ton. Right. But when they have been together, it has not been as as good as it was last year, where you know you can make the case that they were, you know, a, a really good uh, a really good line. Is there any is any of the quote unquote abnormal regression like the extra regression uh, again? Not Yossi and Forsberg, but the other guys we're talking about. Is there any signs? Uh, again, Duchesne's been very hot lately. He's I, I want to say sixteen points in twenty games, something like that, over the last month and a half. Is there any signs statistically that somebody has the ability that 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 some of that regression is? like you can deny through statistics and, and say, no, yeah. no, actually it's just a, they just got unlucky in October and November and Duchesne's now back onto his regular pace. And he's going to have there there's, there's, there's data to back up that they could be hotter down the stretch. If that makes sense or, or back to them, quote unquote, back to themselves. If, if that's a, I don't exactly know if I'm, I'm making myself clear on this question, but do you, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're wondering if, if there are things that they're doing that support the idea that, they've been a little snake bitten and yeah, they could, exactly. and, they, and they could, um, you know, they could rebound. Um, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, both players Duchesne and Forsberg specifically ha- have not been a- a- as dynamic as they were last year, obviously, you know, but they, they, they still remain, you know, solid, you know, solid players, in the, in the grand scheme of things, when you're comparing them to other, you know, other offensive minded forwards, you know, there aren't, you know, they, you know, Duchesne remains strong at, you know, entering the puck with entering this offensive zone with possession. He still gets to the high scoring areas. Um, You know, he, he's slippery with the puck in terms of evading defenders. You know, Forsberg remains a, a, a really good power forward. Um, in terms of his ability to get to the slot um, and and make things happen um, in front of the net, you know, in terms of making himself available in the slot um, and, and winning puck battles and, and and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I would say that I feel like what they're doing this year, I think you said it best. I think what they're doing this year is pretty much in line with what their careers say they should be doing now you know, it's, it's disappointing because of how well they played last year. And, and in the case of Forsberg, you know, he's in the first year of a new contract. And I don't <laughs> think this is a case of Forsberg, you know, you know, getting his money and kicking his feet up. No, I just I don't think, think so, that yeah. last year was, was an aberration. I mean, it, well, 
it, it's, ama- it, it, it's amazing, Adam, how those aberrations happen in contract years. It's just, it's a wonder what money does. We mentioned Bo Horvat earlier, you know, just traded from the Canucks to the, to the, uh, to the Islanders. You know, he, he's already he, at this particular moment, he has as many goals as he did last year, which was a career high. He has 31 goals this year. He had 31 goals last year. He's on pace for more than 50 and he's in the contract year. I mean, <laughs> there have been studies that have been done. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, I've definitely read them well, somewhere I, about I the, dude, the contract. I, need, I know. I but don't need they, science. I don't need, I'm a human being. I do not need scientific evidence to tell me that millions of dollars motivates me. I don't need, I don't need data. I mean, I guess the question, I don't is, need sport logic to tell me this. <laughs> no, you don't. I just, I guess what the question is. So Forsberg, you know, Forsberg is on pace. What, what did you say? His on pace numbers were, for he's, this he's season? on pace for like 32, 33 goals, which is again, about his career normal, roughly speaking. I mean, Again, so until- Forsberg finishes with third. Let's say he finishes with thirty-two goals and thirty-five assists. So that's a sixty-seven-point season. Like in the first year of an eight and a half million dollar a year contract, are you disappointed by that? Are you like that's the that's the question? I, that- so I, I think that's a great question. I would I would say that's in line with his his career production. If but he that's when he was making six million dollars against and- and not eight and a half. And also missing 10, 12, 15 games a year. So if, right. if he plays 78 games, let's say, and produces 70 points, while that might be in line with his career production, although maybe not necessarily even on a, on a per game basis, I still think you need another another notch. Uh, you don't have to be four, you don't have to be 86 points or 42 point, 42 goals. Like, but you need to be you need another notch. I, I think you need to be 35 to, to 38 goals. 75 to 80 points. I think there just needs to be a little bit more. And those and, and what that leads to could be the two or three wins you need to not be a wild card or the two or three wins you need at the end of the year to not to, to make the playoffs like that. That's what your eight and a half million dollar player has to do. And so uh, I think that's slightly disappointing, but it's not that unexpected, if that makes sense. Right. And I as you said, I, I think that, you know, Forsberg has always been and you know, a 60 to 65, you know, point player over the course of a, of a full season. So if he finishes in that 65 to 70 point range, (laughs) you know, it's no different than what you're used to, but you know, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find people who would not be disappointed in that after what he did last year and, and the contract uh, that he got. But, you know, you talked about what this team, you know, what this team needs to do as a whole to make the playoffs um, you know, I, I, I crunched these numbers. You may have crunched these numbers. I'm sorry if you did. So the, the <laughs> so the predators, the predators were the last team into the playoffs last year in point, in terms of points, they were the were they were the least successful playoff team last year in terms of points. They had 97 points. So the predators need, I think 43 points over their final 34 games to make to reach 97 which is a 104 point pace over a full mm. 82 game season. So mm. I was playing with no, I was playing with possible records to see like what would be 43 points in 34 games and one I came up with was 20 11 and 3. I think like, I think that's doable. You is that doable to you? Yeah. Uh, is is it likely? Maybe not. Is it is it possible? Sure. I, I mean, I, I think I think winning to, you know, what, three out of five, basically. Um, yeah, they'd be winning about a third of their remaining. They need to win about a third of their remaining games. I I, I think they're two thirds, two thirds, yeah, yeah, yeah. two thirds of their remaining. I, I think that's I think that's doable. Uh, the question is, again, when we start looking at like the goaltending and the underlying metrics of the goal scoring and the goal creation and the statistical regressions and all these other things. OK, fine. You're you're the eight seed and you're playing against whoever's the one seed which in at right now could be i think you and i both are on the same page that it could eventually still be colorado <laughs> so uh i you still don't want to go into a seven game series as the eight seed playing the one seed colorado avalanche in my opinion um and again that could be that's if you that's if you get you know win two-thirds of your games so um all right let me ask you a couple we gotta i want to look at the western conference in just a second so let's put a pin in that conversation and get to that in just in just a minute but i want to mm-hmm. ask you about um a couple of the young players that have developed, uh, in particular, Cody Glass, Yusuf Parsonen, if you extrapolate out their numbers, 
They're on pace for basically 50, you know, Parson is on pace on an 82 game pace for 50 points ish, just under uh, glass or just under 40 points. So about 90 points is their projected 82 game pace between the two of them. I don't think anybody would have suggested that. Do you have anything at all to sort of um, illustrate or describe the growth and sort of the the development of those two forwards that, again, nobody projected to be their top two centers or two of their top three centers going into the season? Well, we were talking about line combinations earlier, um, and we were talking about you know how um, how disappointing the Forsberg Grandland Duchesne line has been when together this season, which hasn't been as often, but they are in terms of total time on ice the the most used line this season. But you know, I've been really impressed with Cody Glass playing with Forsberg and Duchesne. The, the, their underlying numbers as a line are really good. And if I'm not mistaken, and I think Michael might have mentioned this, that I don't think they've been on the ice for a goal against this season um, as a line at five on five. That's seriously uh, that I don't think yes. I knew that. That's nuts. So, you know, their, their underlying numbers, their expected goal percentages are, are, are really good. You know, it, it's, you know, I, it's funny because you, You've had, I know we've all had in some form or fashion the the Ellie Tolvanen conversation and whether or not Ellie Tolvanen was put in a position to succeed by the, by the coaching staff, especially after you've seen what he's been doing for the Kraken, you know, you can criticize, you can absolutely criticize the Predators for that. Um, but at the same time, you do have to, to give them some credit for, you know, what they've been able to, to do with Cody Glass. Um, I mean, it, and, they and were a putting little, use, and putting Yusuf Parson in, in a position to succeed. They right? were a little slow. Yeah, I mean, with Glass, they were a little slow to it. I mean, he was scratched a lot at the beginning of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, but he, uh, but he's been really good uh, for you know with Forsberg and Duchesne. Okay, so the last time I checked, if they had not been on the ice for a goal against. They are they have they are have been on the ice for seven goals for and two goals against at five on five as a line. Uh, they gave up. They were on the ice for the uh, the Pierre Luc Dubois goal at the start of the Jets game, the one that came in the first minute, and they were on the ice for a goal against Jack Hughes in the Devils game. So still, they've outscored opponents seven to two at five on five on the ice, which is obviously very good. And, um, and, and they dominated not just that line, but that team dominated after that goal for for Winnipeg. The, the next 58 minutes were almost all Predators domination after that uh, in the, in that particular game. Um, yeah. So and I, I like, and I like Parson. I, yeah, I think Parson yeah. a, a really uh, solid player. Um, you know, I, do I see him as like a core member of this team moving forward? I, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I, but I was, you know, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by, you know, what he's been able to do. I think, you know, you know, he had a uh, he had a, a scoring streak, which I think was the longest by a rookie in team history in terms of point streak um, recently. So, yeah, look, in terms of the young players, you know, there have been examples, Ellie Tolvanen, namely Philip Tomasino, in terms of, you know, young players getting, you know, maybe getting the, you know, the short end of the stick. Um, in, in terms uh, of their development, but on the flip side, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you can't criticize or you can, you can't criticize, in my opinion, the Ellie Tolvanen situation without at least praising the oh, yeah. Cody Glass situation. Sure. You know, I, I think that, I think that is uh, important. So no, Ellie yeah, Tolvanen, I, we said this last week, Ellie Tolvanen and Philip Tomasino have a combined four points for the Preds this year. After a combined sixty last year, and Yusuf Parsonen and Cody Glass are on pace for ninety, an eighty-two game pace of ninety points. That that's you, there. It's two two positives, two negatives, and yet you just sort of hold, throw your hands up and say, "What the hell?" <laughs> right? You know, like it, you just you just kind of are what your record says you are. Uh, all right, let, let's. I want to. Um, I want to get into the Western Conference. I want to get into staying power. I want to get into Dante Fabro maybe a little bit. Um, as well as sort of just some teams that uh, statistically how you view the rest of the Western Conference. We'll get into that in just a second, because before we do, the gold standard is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at Jaspers. I don't have any other bicycle things to talk about. Wait, wait, what do you mean? No, no more riveting 
tales of Adam Vingan's childhood riding around in camps in the, what was this, like the D.C. metro area, the Triangle? Where were you in your bicycle camp days? That what was, you, uh, Jaspers, by the way. That was uh, when I was living in Virginia Beach Okay, as a Seven, youngster. 757. Um, yes. So, I listen, shuffleboard is my favorite game. We've heard this. They have a brilliant and beautiful and wonderful shuffleboard game. They have free parking. The menu is very diverse. I think this is most importantly, and I, I can't really ask you statistically for the underlying metrics on Jasper's menu uh, because uh, they just it just always delivers. Like they're always overachieving, no matter what. Their ums per sixty are off the charts. <laughs> they're 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 expect they're expected ums. <laughs> their expected ums are are elite. The Boston Bruins level of expected ums at Jasper's. Um, Jasper's, the Boston Bruins of sports bars in Nashville. <laughs> on a Predators podcast. <laughs> on a Predators podcast. Uh, but it's true. It's true. I, I try, like, when somebody new hears about Jasper's, and I try to explain it, like, sometimes the next evolution of the sports bar is truly the most encapsulating term for Jasper's. But, like, they really are. It's hard to kind of sometimes explain to people the level like the holistic approach to like destroying restaurant norms that they have, that, that they have taken. And my buddies take their kids. I told him, I was like, look, you got to take your kids. You got to take your kids, especially on a Sunday, two for ones, buckets of beer, get them in. And like they, their kids are the same age as mine, like seven and four. And we go, they, he texts me and he texts me a picture of the, the glass door at Jasper's on a Sunday. And he's like, thank you so much for giving me this suggestion because we are sitting down me and my wife and having a wonderful meal with really high level food while also watching the NFC and AFC championship games and not having to watch our children because they're in the game room playing with all the free games that Jasper's has put in there for all of you to use for free without paying for parking. And if you want to grab some cheesecake on the way out, they've got a market for that too. Like, like the drink specials, the, the like they have literally attacked every single thing that you can complain about about dining in Nashville and they've attacked it. Like it, it's like the four check for the Boston Bruins. Like it, it's, it's, they, they go hard into the zone. Jasper's does. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it, it's, there you go. The, the, uh, the, the theme of these ads are, if you don't want to pay attention to your kids, take them to Jasper's. <laughs> there you go. So go to Jasper's uh, quickly, Dante Fabro, be- best season of his career. And, and do you think, I know Michael and I and, and Gover have talked a lot about him being a big trade chip and, you know, not maybe not long for the team or whatever, but it seems like I'm just curious what the stats say about Dante Fabro's development because it seems like he's been the best. I mean, he he's having his best season. Yossi Fabro, statistically, according to Money Puck, is the best pairing. They're a top 20 pairing defensively in terms of expected goals. Um, in in this actually lose Jeremy Lozon and Dante Fabro is the number three ranked pairing on the National Predators. So so Fabro. <laughs> Fabro having a, a really great year. What what do the numbers say about him and his development? Is it sustainable? Is it a real sign of growth? I think he's had a solid season from an analytics standpoint. Um, you now it, it is interesting to see how he's been deployed over time. You know, I remember when he first came in and immediately played on a third pair with Dan Hamhuis, and I thought he was really good. Yep, you know, yep. in, in down the stretch of that regular season and in the playoffs against Dallas, you know, coming right out of college, um, you know, I, he, you know, he spent a lot of time with Matias Ekholm and there were some uh, hits and misses there. You know, generally, I, I think he's been better this season at, at, at pushing offense um, in terms of plays that lead to scoring chances. Um, I think that overall, you know, I, I, he, I think he has shown signs of growth. I don't think they're like huge signs. You know, I, I think Fabro we've seen, you know, we've, I feel like we've seen enough of Dante Fabro in the NHL to get a sense of, of what kind of player he is. You know, I, I think you can confidently play him in your top four. I, I don't think he's the, the kind of defenseman who drives a pair you know, I think he's a, a good compliment to someone like Roman Yossi or someone like Matias Ekholm. You know, he he's not the he's not someone who's going to to to, to you know grab your attention a whole lot. Um, but he's solid. And you know, if if the Predators were interested in in, in changing things up, you know, I, I think Fabra would be a player who could absolutely 
yeah. you know, get them something of value a, a, as a first round pick with, with a lot of experience on, you know, who's still, you know, a restricted free agent um, coming up after the season. So, you know, I, I think he's made, inc- I would say incremental progress. It, it feels like he's made enough progress that if you're going to move him, it has to be a part of like a total rebuild because if you, like otherwise he's an important piece like he's he's turned into a top four defenseman for you moving forward so especially with carrier being out um uh, yeah this opportunity with like carrier carrier being injured and by the way kids if you're five foot eight don't pick a fight with someone who's (laughs) six foot seven just don't do it also Um, it's also like the nfl thing too like don't throw a closed punch to some to the helmet you know right like you're not you're not going to do yourself any favors. Look, I admire yeah, uh, yeah. Alex Carrier's testicular fortitude to stand up for his teammate, but Logan Stanley is like a foot taller than him on skates. Uh, so would, I would have advised against that. Would you say he would drive a pair? Is that what you would say about Alex Carrier's uh, testicular fortitude in that moment? I like mm. that phrase. You said Dante Fabro couldn't drive a pair, and the only thing I thought about. <laughs> That's the only thing I thought about was grow like, up. How, how can I make a how can I make a ball joke? <laughs> That's all I thought about. Who's the who's the immature one on this? Yeah, it, oh, it's, um, it's fine. I'm 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 happy with the uh, with taking that mantle. Well, um, as I was saying, what I meant to say was, um, after we got sidetracked by testicles, is um, <laughs> happens to the best of us. Happens happens all the time. Um, check yourself daily. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The. Uh, <laughs> You know, Carrier's injury is a is a big opportunity for Fabro. I think. You know, you never yeah. want a player who plays a lot of minutes like Carrier to get injured, of course. But you know, sometimes those situations, you know, will will show you the value of somebody else on the team. And I think Fabro, I think Fabro, you know, could certainly, um, you know, benefit from so, this. So this is less a, a stats question and more just I want Adam Bingen's opinion on this. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you make of John Hines constantly? Because we talked a lot, man, during the Lavi years, Peter Lavi years about changing lines. And sometimes it was a brilliant maneuver to have, you know, Mike Fisher in game one against the Blackhawks uh, out there on a the line with like whoever it was, like Pontus Aberg or whatever. But and like sometimes it seems brilliant. Uh, John Hines has done a lot of meddling. Um, I mean, obviously that's the job. What do you make of the, the, the vast, just the, the vastness of the combinations Tanner Janos played on like 20 different line combinations. Like what, what do you, I mean, is this just him trying to figure it out? Uh, or is this like they're, they just, they don't have any answers. So he's got to do something. Well, I think what's interesting when, whenever you have these sorts of conversations, you, you, you think to yourself, you know, why is my t- favorite team's coach always switching around the lines? Well, it's not unique to John Hines. I mean, I, I feel like there are few lines in the league that stay together all season. Or like, you know, I, the, the first one that comes to mind is the uh, Rope Hints, Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson line in Dallas. And that line was together for, I think, close to 800 minutes on ice last season because they're so friggin' good. And, and, and hints has been hints was out recently with injury. So it, it changed things up, but you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Dallas's lines this season and, and, and Pavelski hints and Robertson are at nearly 450 minutes together as a line. The next line underneath them is 244 minutes. So they've been together you know, a lot, you know, the predators haven't had that sort of consistency. I mean, I'm looking at, if you look at the past five, if you look at the past five games, you know, they've, you know, they've, they've been, they've held pretty steady, you know, Forsberg with glass and Duchesne and, and, and Johansson with Niederreiter and Granlund, Trennan, Janot and Novak, Sissons, Parson and, and Cole Smith. And by the way, I, I, I have to, give myself a pat on the back for the restraint that I've shown not getting into the Cole Smith discourse. Like, like, <laughs> you, mean like that, you mean like on Twitter? <laughs> yeah. Well, in general, like yeah. the Cole Smith, the Cole Smith discourse, I feel like boiled down to its very essence um, is basically <laughs> like Cole Smith is an avatar of what everybody who what of what yeah. people think is wrong with the Nashville Predators from a roster and lineup construction standpoint, you know, you know, 
this is the type of player that the Predators value over someone more skilled like Ellie Tolvanen or Philip Thomasine. Uh, but by the way, Ellie Tolvanen, uh, Gordy, and uh, Bjorkstrand, number 21 best line in the NHL right now. Just, I mean, throw, look, throw Ellie, there. look, I, you know, I don't know if I've given my take on the Ellie Tolvanen situation. Um, I know that there have been plenty of them. Um, I, I, I can see it both ways. You know, I, I can understand those who say that Tolvanen was not given a chance to succeed or a, not enough of a chance to succeed. You know, look, I think it was during the the 56 game season. He was a fixture on the first power play unit. And that first power play unit last season, which if I'm off, off the top of my head, Duchesne, Forsberg, Granlin, Johansson and Yossi, like was basically together all season. So when when Tolvanen was in the lineup, you know, he was playing on the second unit yeah. with, you know, Nick Cousins. Like, you know, with all due respect to right, right. my dear friend, Nick Cousins. Um, but the, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, you know, and look, he was in a, on a top six line for most of last season. Yes, he was saddled with Luke Cunning on the other side, but he was playing with Ryan Johansson. So, I can see it both sides, which I, I know is, uh, which is, which I know I is, I wasn't going to out. I wasn't going to ask you about Tolvanen, but I think that is a cop out. I think it was. I think they mismanaged him, and and as I've said, just like with Kevin Fiala for years, there when he goes somewhere, whether it's traded or released, he is going to end up being better. I've never changed from that. I think it was mismanagement at its finest. Um, I, the player has to take some responsibility in all of this, but we're not. I don't. We did an entire episode about this like a couple of weeks ago. Here's a quick number for you: Martinuk, Stall, and Fast for Carolina, 464 minutes, the most of any line. Uh, you mentioned Robertson, Pavelski, and Hints, 443. Skinner, Thompson, and Tuck, 431 for Buffalo. Um, that's their top line. That's their top line. Uh, you've what got was the, what uh, was the Carolina line? Martinook, Stahl, and Fast at 464. I think that's their. I think that's their third line. That's like that's their shutdown line. I think. Yeah, and if you go to so if you go to the expected, and this is all money puck. Um, for example, like in the top 10, 12 most productive lines, there's only like, in terms of minutes played. There's only 12 lines that have played more than 300 minutes together this year. By the way, the Preds' leading line is like 166 minutes. So, like, that gives you a, a sense of of how much they... And that's the forsberg duchesne Granlund, correct? Yes, that's the, the switch-it-up line. Um, but, but, like, even in the top 15 or 20, there's a handful that have been together for over 250... Around 250 minutes. Zucker, Malkin, and Russ, 247 minutes... Um, you know, obviously Carolina has, I think, three or four of the top 20 lines in the league, according to. Yeah, they're goals. they're consistent. They uh, Carolina, Carolina yeah. has their lines and they stick to them pretty good. Uh, Smith, Carlson and Marsha Shaw have 388 minutes. They're number 18 mm -hmm. in terms of expected, but also almost 400 minutes together. So th there's just the, the, I, there's not like a real point here. Um, uh, Hurdle, LeBlanc, and, and Meyer have 333 minutes. They're number 23 in the league. Crosby's line, 26th in the league in terms of expected goals, 318 minutes. Uh, Bunting, Matthews, and Nylander, 323 minutes. They're number 28. So, like, th there's a bunch of them in here that are 250 plus minutes, which is almost 100 minutes more than like anybody for the Preds. So, they, I, 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 I hear yeah. what you're saying that most coaches do this. But also not this much, not to this degree. And and so, again, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. That's all. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one thing that does stand out to me, you know, the, the most consistent line last season in terms of minutes played for the Predators was the Trenton, Sissons, and Janot line. And that line was really good, you know, considering how they were deployed, you know, and you know, they all, you know, Janot, of course, had a fantastic year. Trenton had a solid year. Sissons had a good year. You know, I, I think the fact that they were unable to get that line going again, I, I think threw things into disarray a little bit. I mean, that was the one thing you could count on yep. last season yep. was that line, you know, like I'm looking at their numbers right now from last season. They started just over 20% of their shifts in the offensive zone and still had an expected goals percentage of, of just under 50%. That's really good when you consider the deployment. Yep. Yep. You know, it's not like they're getting, they were not deployed in an advantageous way. They were getting a lot of, new, you know, defensive zone and neutral zone starts. You know, I, I really do think that the fact that that line was unable to replicate 
its success from last season, I, I think mm-hmm. has had uh, has had uh, a detrimental effect on the the, com- the combinations that the Predators have tried out this year. The, the, the last number I'll throw out here, just because I've, I've got it here in front of me, uh, 49 lines have played over 200 minutes together. 40, 49. Uh, if you do the math, that is almost two per team. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm just on that. Just again, just a basic general on average. Uh, and if you go, you know, 190, let's just move the number to 190. You have 57 lines that have played 190 minutes. That's almost exactly two per team. And the Preds, again, the the most minutes played together, 166, Forsberg, Duchesne, and Grandland at 68. So every team has roughly two lines that have played more than any one line for the Nashville Predators. So uh, I just wanted to get that out there, which which leads us into the Eastern Conference. And I'm assuming we can start with, or the Western Conference, I should say. I'm assuming, first of all, uh, if you look at playoff percentages, uh, the Predators are 19th in terms of 31% chance of making the playoffs. The top five are all in the Eastern Conference, which I think speaks to the the top heaviness of the Eastern Conference. And now you add Bo Horvath to the East, which I think is good for Nashville Predators fans that he didn't land somewhere in the West. But there is a significant drop-off. They are 19th in playoff projection percentage, 31%. Buffalo has a 57% chance of making the playoffs. They are 18th. I don't know if anybody knows this, but 16 teams make the playoffs. Uh, But there's a big drop-off to the Predators and then another drop-off after that. Um, Is the Eastern Conference that much better than the Western Conference? And how much does that benefit Nashville down the stretch? Yeah, I I do think. I mean, the the caliber of teams in in the Eastern Conference is just... You know, it's just absurd. Um, yeah, Carolina, Carolina, Boston, Toronto, New Jersey. I mean, Tampa Bay is 16 points behind Boston. Okay. <laughs> it, Tampa Bay is 16 points behind Boston in the standings. And if you were to just drop the Lightning into the Western Conference, the only team that would be better than them is Dallas. So we, you look at, so, so yep. Tampa, so I'm looking at this right now, just to give you, so Car- so Boston has 81 points. Carolina has 74. Um, uh, Toronto has 70. Uh, New Jersey has 68 and Tampa has 65. Yeah. So if you were to just, if you were to just plop Tampa into the Western conference, they would be tied for second with Winnipeg behind of, only Dallas instead of fifth. Yeah. Instead of fifth. Yeah, so I think, it, I think the top four would all be number one in the West. I think, right? Is that the correct? Top, yes, because the yep. Dallas is the top team in the West with sixty-six points. So they, so Carolina, New Jersey, Boston, and Toronto have more points than Dallas. Which leads me to the the most hopeful moment, maybe of this entire show, which is that I don't know how much staying power the teams at the top have because Dallas and Winnipeg were not supposed to be here in, in, at the beginning of the season. Um, Seattle has not been in this situation ever as a franchise. They're very good. I love how they play, but they're super fun to watch, but I don't know, like they've never done this before. And there's an element of, you got to been there, been there and done that to be good in the NHL in the postseason. Um, Minnesota, St. Louis, we'll get to them. Is Colorado still the best team in the Western conference? Cause I think they are. When, when they're healthy. Yes. But that's been the issue for them this season is, you know, they've last I checked, they had dressed 38 different uh, 38 different players this season. I think it was 35 skaters and three goalies, which is by far the most in the league. You know, they haven't had Landis Cog all season. McKinnon missed significant time. Uh, Nichushkin's missed significant time. McCarr's been out recently. You know, they, they've had a ton of injuries and they, you know, they're seven and three in their past 10 games. They're coming alive. You know, right now they're in the second wild card spot. You know, I anticipate them finishing in the top three in the in the central. You know, I, I expect them to overtake Minnesota. I, I'm not sure if they'll overtake Dallas and Winnipeg. Um, but I am fairly confident in saying that Colorado is going to make the playoffs. Like I just think that once every, once they get healthy, you know, they're gonna they're gonna like what's interesting about Colorado is you know, their, their underlying numbers are solid, despite the fact that they've had so many injuries and you would expect them to have a dip in production because they've had so many injuries. Um, but the fact that they've actually played a solid, you know, they played solid this season, despite yep. that 
I think once they get healthy, they're going to take off. So no, it's, I, I, it's, I don't even count Colorado in this discussion. I think they're a, a lock to make the playoffs. In my yeah, opinion. it should be terrifying. I'm just saying for everybody. Dallas. Fans, do I think they're the best team? Do I do? Do I think they're the best team in the West? I would not be surprised if they finished with the one seed in the West. I wouldn't even be surprised. Um, I, I, know, I wonder. I know if, they'd have to. I know they have to go on a tear to do that, but I would not be surprised. Yeah, I'm looking at the other teams. You know, I, so so this leads well, to the next question: How in yeah. this Central Division, what is the staying power? What do the numbers say underneath a team like Dallas, Winnipeg, uh, Minnesota? I think Minnesota was supposed to be here. St. Louis was supposed to be here, and they're not. Um, Nashville's kind of right where we expected them to be. Winnipeg and Dallas were picked to be probably in that four or five range in the division. So who has the staying power in the central division? Who do you believe in? Obviously the new coaches for those two franchises we talked about during the preseason, the, the new coach bounce in the NHL is unlike any other sport. And it's worked for both Dallas and Winnipeg. Who, who's got staying power in the central division? I, I am confident in Dallas and Winnipeg. I, I think they've, I think they've done enough uh, in the first half of the season that even if they were to to dip a little bit, they've banked enough points. I, I think they're fairly safe um, in terms of finishing in the in, in the top in the top three. Um, you know, Dallas in particular. You know, they've they've I think they've lost three overtime games in a row. So they've you know they've had you know they've been, they've been picking up points even though they haven't been winning. You know, the thing that impresses me most about Dallas, and I'm, I'm double checking this right now because it was this way last time I checked. I don't know if it's still this way. I think they're in the top five in both power play and penalty kill in the NHL. Mm. They are fifth in power play and second in penalty kill. Yep. Like when you're when your special teams are operating at that level, like you are a really, really good team. So I'm not I'm not concerned about Dallas and I, I'm really not concerned about Winnipeg either. They've had their own injuries as well, but you know, they, they are getting healthier and, and Connor Hellebuck so, is an excellent goaltender. So there's no numbers underlying saying they're they're playing wildly over their heads or whatever. Because I mean, we know the talent for Winnipeg on the forward lines. We know Hellebuck's great. We know the talent for Dallas on, on offense in particular. So it doesn't it doesn't sound like there's anything to indicate that they've been sort of playing above expected and that they will come back to earth in the second half. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think there are elements of their games that are above expected, but they're not so above, so much ex- above yeah. expected that that they're they're primed to to you know to falter. You know, when I look at the teams in the in the Western Conference and playoff spots, you know, the team that sticks out to me is the one that's you know, playing over their head is Seattle. Yeah, you know, Seattle has been excellent offensively. They've they've been you know their expected numbers comparatively are are nowhere near their actual numbers so you know they've been incredible offensively this season you know my skepticism with them is if those if those goals start to dry up can they win in other ways um but they haven't had that problem necessarily um you know you know you look at you look up and down their lineup and the 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 shooting percentages are absolutely insane um so you know, I, I think they're say I, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think they I would not be. I mean, it's a tight race at the top of the Pacific. Finishing, um, finishing third is is very real for them. Y- yes, yeah. you know their goaltending has been okay. Um, their offense is definitely overperforming. Um, you know, the team when I look at the teams like the, which teams the Predators could most likely chase down. You know, uh, you know, the team that stands, you know, the team that sticks out to me that's in the mix right now is Calgary. Now, Calgary isn't in a playoff spot right now. They're they're tied with Colorado in points, but they've played two more games. You know, Colorado has I mean, excuse me, Calgary has really not impressed me all that much this season. You know, they they made a huge trade, obviously, in the offseason. You know, Matthew Kachuk has been awesome for Florida. Uberdo has been a major disappointment for Calgary. Uyghur has been solid, but unspectacular uh, on the back end. Um, you know, I, I, you know, Calgary is a team that I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in, you know, in terms of the teams that are actually in playoff spots. I know it's easy to look at Edmonton, you know, their goaltending has been problematic, but they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> and, you know, that, that, that's enough to get yeah. you into the playoffs, you know, you know, Minnesota is interesting, um, you know, because they're a really good defensive team. They're not a great offensive team. Um, you is know, you safe, saw the be- 
is it safe Go to ahead. say Minnesota and Vegas are where they're supposed to be? Like, if of all the teams, the top three in both divisions, I look at Vegas and Minnesota, and I I say that that seems right. Vegas is a two, Minnesota's a three. Like that seems right. I, I feel well, like they, does that I, make sense? I think, yeah, I think that. The, well, I think the team like when you look at the eight teams that are in the playoffs right now. I mean, the the, the, the team you know Seattle obviously stands out. You know, just right. because they were so bad last year, but Los Angeles is interesting to me too. You know, they're they're tied in points with Seattle. They've played four more games though. Um, you know, their goaltending has been you know a uh, friggin' uh, you know. I went, it's not quite a disaster, but not far off from a disaster. You know, it has their goaltending has not been great. They've got a negative 10 goal differential. They're the only team in a playoff spot. Yep. They're the only team in the playoff spot in the in the NHL that has a negative goal differential, minus 10. You know, so you know, Kevin Fiala's been playing really well, you know, scoring a lot. You know, that's a team, you know, to me, I might, I might rescind what I said. So right now, the so right now. The Predators have played five fewer games than Los Angeles and are down nine points. So I said, Calgary, if you're looking at a team that they could chase down, that's actually in a playoff spot, it could be Los Angeles just because their, their goaltending is not good. Well, and, and they feel like they last year they were ahead of schedule on the rebuild. Yes. yes. And, and this year they're kind of right where they kind of should be in the rebuild, maybe, maybe even still ahead of schedule to some degree. So again, who of the teams that we feel the most confident have the staying power? And it sounds like you're we're all in on Colorado. We yes. both believe in Vegas. Yes. Dallas and Winnipeg have done enough that even if they regress a little bit, that they've probably secured spots. Yes. Uh, Edmonton is almost just too good on offense to to take out of the list. <laughs> yes. So, th- so that basically is the Kings, Calgary, Minnesota, and- Nashville for what? Two spots? Those four yes. teams for two spots, roughly? Yeah, um, I would. Yeah, that sounds right. And of this group, we've already said that Nashville is already probably a little worse than their record. Whereas Colorado, a virtually identical record, none of their best players, and they're gonna their underlying metrics say that they've also been exactly kind of where they are. So yeah, Colorado it, it, has not had their optimal lineup at right. all this season. And they're so, they're in the position that they're in. All this, I guess, leads to look, there's lots of opportunity in the Western Conference for all these standings to shake up in a big way in the second half because there is no purely dominant teams like we've got in the East. There are a couple of teams that we expect to have lots of staying power, in particular Colorado and Vegas, respectively, in their divisions. There's some really good quality teams, Dallas and Winnipeg. And and again, after that, it's sort of like a mishmash. So there's opportunity for the Preds to do this, but they have to go on the clip that you talked about. They have to play like they played after the meeting. They have to continue to show they have to continue to show offensive progress. And I'll end the conversation today. Go to Jaspers, everybody. Uh, I'll end the conversation today with you saying statistically and and you look at this team and you look at the competition and you look at the Western conference layout, the probability again, 31% chance of making the playoffs. Don't, do we need to know something by the deadline so they can decide something? Because it feels like we've been building. We've been, we've been whiplashing our, our necks back and forth with the good and the bad and the good and the bad and the good and the bad with this team up until the trade deadline. What, 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 what's the, what, where do you make a decision on this team, Adam? Yeah, that's a good question. I think they have 11 games um, once they come back from their first game back to the, to the uh, trade deadline. I think their last of that, I think their 11th game in that stretch is the day before. So they have 11 games um, before the deadline. So yeah, that's a good question. It's like, you know, how many of those games do they have to win, you know, to feel like they, you know, they they need to to make a push and acquire someone. I would say you know more than you know probably. zero zero. I don't I don't want to acquire anybody. Well, I, I would agree with that. Um, My our strategy I, our strategy is do nothing. That's our strategy on the show. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I I think you know the these we looked at their schedule coming out of the break. You know, as I said, there were some winnable games in there. They play at Philadelphia. They play. Um, you know, they play, uh, Arizona at home, but they do play Boston. They play Florida. They play Vegas. They have some, they, they go to Minnesota. So they have some really tough games in there. So I think you'll see fairly soon, you yeah. know, where this team shakes out. I think the best case scenario, like how the other teams shake out is that Colorado continues to play well. They take over the third spot in the central. 
which knocks Minnesota down to the wild card. Edmonton plays well. Los Angeles comes back down to earth. So the Predators are fighting for a wild card spot with Minnesota, Los Angeles, and Calgary. Yep. Like, I think that's, yep. that's probably the, the best case scenario. Like, so I said, you know, they need, if they want to get to 97 points, they need to go 20, 11 and three or something of like that in the second half of the season. You know, my gut tells me that they will fall just short of that. Like, I, I think they'll, I, I think 18, I, 18, I th- 18, 11 and five, right. <laughs> or something so like that would be, games, would be yeah. short, would be short. Would, yeah. would be would be less than ninety seven points. Yeah, I, this 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 team screams to me. They're going to either make it's good, basically like last season. They're either yeah. going to make it or miss it yeah. in the last week of the season. Mm. Super. <laughs> <laughs> let's just so. not let's just not give up a goal with uh, three seconds to go or whatever against Arizona. Um, all right, man. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody where they can find your work. They can find me at sportsnet.ca. Uh, Always enjoy uh, reading all of the fine work there. Um, and of course, when Braden wants to have me on, you can find me here. At Adam Vingan on Twitter as well for Simpsons Gifts and uh, Super Snarky Sarcasm. Uh, all right. Go to Jasper's, everybody. It's a great place um, to go take the kids. Great place to go on a, a business meeting. Great place to go after work. Great place to watch the Preds games. Gold Standard Cocktail still there. $10 Smash Burger. $3 beers. It's, a, it's truly the next evolution of the sports bar thank you so much adam we do appreciate it uh for for um all you listeners out there rate review subscribe share the product we really do appreciate it and check out it's all your fault with michael and gover on mondays also a great great uh preds coverage there from the national scene and the national post always always pay for good journalism uh and of course you can get to me on twitter at braden gall at 440 sports as well and at 440 media on instagram how about that so check that out for adam i'm braden thanks for listening we'll talk to you guys next week this has been the gold standard here on the 440 sports network